0: GOP, what happened? Yeah, let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. From the red tsunami, to red wave, red trickle, red puddle. I don't know what happened last night. If you are joining us here on the Brian Nichols show, but wet from yes, seemingly going to be a great night for the Republican Party, it, it turned into nothing really. Yeah, the GOP is looking to take over the House, uh, but that's about it. Not not none of the really close elections that we talked about ended up even being close talk about that today. We have returning guests from Cody's Concerns, Kenny Cody. But first, before we have him join us, going to first give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is the Libertarian Party of Illinois. Folks, if you are looking to find not just a third party, but a better party, head to Show.com forward slash LPIL. You are going to be redirected to the Libertarian Party of Illinois, specifically if you are a resident of the state of Illinois, uh, a great chance to find an alternative party to the traditional red team and blue team duopoly, especially if you're uh, disheartened here from our election night results, if you were a part of one of those two parties. So head to briannicholshow.com forward slash L-P-I-L to learn more. All right. Let's talk about what happened last night, and uh, I talked about uh, how he's going to be joining us. I know he's definitely concerned. Kenny Cody, welcome back to the Brian Nichols Show.
1: Good to be here, Brian. Very concerned, very mad. Hopefully, we can discuss it. I hope we can <laughs> analyze what went wrong.
0: I don't, I'm not laughing at your misery, man. It's just like kind of flabbergasted, right? The polls all looked like it was going to be a red tidal wave. Now, in some areas, it was, to be fair, right? You look at states like Florida, and GOP absolutely dominated. States where I'm in right now, Indiana, GOP, absolutely dominated. But when we look at the the competitive races that we thought were supposed to be competitive, they, they weren't really that competitive at all. Uh, you look at Blake Masters. I mean, is there a shot he's going to win? I, I haven't seen the latest numbers, but last I saw he was way behind. Mehmet Oz has uh, recently uh, announced that he conceded to John Fetterman, which That alone, John Fetterman winning is just mind-blowing. You see down in Georgia, Herschel Walker running behind right now, um, and likely Georgia going to a runoff. So a lot of these races, and that's, by the way, just the the federal races. Let's go to the state. You look at uh, New York State. Lee Zeldin looked like he was going to be competitive uh, against Kathy Hochul, which he ended up being competitive, uh, but not enough to to take over that seat. Also up in Michigan, uh, I forget the the, uh, candidate's name that was going against Gretchen Tudor Dixon. Thank you yes, Tudor Dixon, that's right. Uh was just not enough again. So you see there was supposed to be momentum. And it was the the you know the midterm election, the off year from the presidential election. Usually it's a referendum on Biden, and or in this case, the president, it should have been Biden. Uh Biden has abysmal, abysmal polling numbers. M- majority of Americans disapprove of the Biden administration and the Democrats' handling of everything, it seems, and yet they still did not suffer the blows that many thought. And in many cases, they ended up holding on to a lot of different uh, seats that were supposed to be fair game. Kenny, talk to us. Give us your context. What were your main takeaways from last night?
1: Uh, Polling was just absolutely wrong. Um, I think the GOP has a significant problem with voter turnout. I think we have a significant problem in the youth population, Um, 18 to 30 Age range of voters uh, voted in droves last night, and while we have made uh, progress with Hispanics, we have made progress with Asians, we have made progress with women. We still struggle with youth voters, um, because of college indoctrination, because of just the traditional. Everybody's liberal when they're young. Everybody's more progressive when they're young. We still deal with that issue, and it really showed last night. I think the involvement of social media and the encouragement of the corporate media, the encouragement of social media to get uh, young voters out to vote, um, really worked. You can't turn on an NFL game without uh, there being commercials with the NFL players telling people to go vote. And we know who they mean when they tell us to go vote. Um, They mean Democrats. Uh, I think we have a significant problem when it comes to the electability argument. Um, I think that with the MAGA base, with the America first base, the candidates that necessarily meet our criteria and our uh, definition of what makes a good Senator or makes a good congressional member or politician in general, um, Kind of had a problem last night in, in terms of which swing races uh, people are running in. You know, you're talking about Blake Masters, Dr. Oz, uh, Don Baldock, Tiffany Smiley, all sort of these Trump lean Republicans who are more likely not going to come close. And then you have the establishment candidates like Joe Day. you have the establishment candidates like Sam Brown um, in, in Nevada who lost Adam Laxalt in a primary. They people thought that Laxalt would not do as well as he's doing right now. He's actually a head by a couple of points and might, uh, crossing fingers, might give the GOP an opportunity to get a Senate majority if Herschel Walker can win the runoff in December. Um, But I think the GOP has a debate problem right now, and it's debating whether we need to be involved in primaries, whether we should just leave it up to the voters. I mean, you know, my entire piece today in Newsmax was basically we need to let the voters decide and we need to let yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, just, just an analysis in that regard. I mean, we got involved too much in the primaries in terms of this, the establishment got involved with. It was like Joe Day, people supporting Sam Brown against Adam Lack, Salt, Nevada. And I think that, you know, Trump even has admitted that Bullock was a bad candidate for the Senate and Dr. Oz was a bad candidate for Pennsylvania. So I think just realizing our mistakes, analyzing our critiques, analyzing the criticisms that have been a lot of tourists and just leave it up to the voters. The voters know what is best for their state. The voters know what's best for their district. And we need to quit having politicians and establishment Republicans telling Republicans who to nominate and who to vote for because the voters know what's best for their area. And we need to rely on the voters to do that.
0: Kenny, do you think there's a leadership chasm in the GOP right now?
1: yeah yeah i mean i think i think there's an argument of who's the thought leader i mean is that desantis is that trump i mean there's the who, who should be the establishment leader is that mitch mcconnell is that rick scott who should be the house leader is that jim jordan is that kevin mccarthy is that steve scalise i mean there is so much infighting and there is so much oh no okay hold oh. on sorry i was oh, I, I lost you again um but I think there's just a microcosm of fighting everywhere at all, all the different levels of leadership and the thought leader, and who's going to be the presidential candidate? Who's going to be the Senate leader in each state? Who's going to be the, you know, the the, the person who's swinging their their pull? You know, if it's, is it Mitch McConnell or Rand Paul? Is it in Wisconsin? Is it, is it Ron Johnson in the Northeast? I mean, is it going to be Herschel Walker using his pull over John Ossoff as the Democratic incumbent in Georgia? I mean, there's just so much infighting and there's just so much fighting in general. And I just wish we would have a united ticket to back against Biden. Fight back against progressivism and cultural Marxism and big government. But it just seems like we are so much of a separation right now, and nothing proved that more than last night.
0: So we all know <laughs> that, like, the LP has traditionally been a, a dumpster fire, which, uh, don't worry, I'm where's my card? I'm a, I'm a proud card-carrying member of said dumpster fire. It's my dumpster sure. fire. Um, but with that being said, look at the GOP. It doesn't seem to be much better. I mean, Ronna McDaniels, uh, what, what like what what happened? Should, Reson,
1: should resign. Should a disgrace after
0: absolutely should. I mean, like, and and think about it this way, right? Like, if you're a coach, and we just saw this happen right in my backyard here with the Colts. Like, if you're a coach of a team and you're consistently underperforming when you you have all the pieces in place to be successful, then yeah, what like what are we doing here? And and I guess shame on the GOP a little bit, right, man? Because like oh, we've yeah. gotten to this point where like. The GOP has has clinched defeat from the jaws of victory. And I just don't understand how, because I had the feeling and and this is, you know, I like to admit when I'm wrong in my show. So here you go, folks, I'm wrong. I had the feeling going into this primary or I'm sorry, this a midterm election that it was going to be much like 2010. It had that vibe. And, and I thought we were going to see a lot of great liberty candidates that we got. Back then, now, and you look back then, it was the likes of your Thomas Massey's, your Rand Paul's, and, and your Mike Lee's. And I think we had a great opportunity that we just completely squandered. So, like, what should happen from an internal partisan standpoint, looking at the GOP? You're obviously the Cook County GOP chair down there in Tennessee. What do you think from your look? I know you mentioned Ron McDaniel should resign in disgrace, but it's it's more than just her, right? Like there's there's so many different pieces here that need to be addressed beyond her. What are some other areas you think should be focused at?
1: I mean, again, I mean the, the quote Brian I always brings up every single time I come on the podcast is knowing the battles that you can win, mm. and I think that's still prevalent. I mean, I think knowing when to run America first candidates and populists, libertarians in which races and states and districts to run them in is still an analysis that needs to be done, knowing that we need to, you know, maybe nominate a moderate voice in some districts and not somebody that I don't necessarily agree with, but trying to know where the line is, you know, Joe O'Day got killed in polling and it got killed in the results in comparison to where he was pulling at in every single poll that was existent he's going to get him by double digits if not maybe a little bit less but probably a little bit more um so you nominate some, somebody who is establishments moderate guy in a state like colorado he still gets killed the, again the establishment won sam brown over adam laxalt john ralston wanted you know Adam Laxalt to get beat because he couldn't predict what was going to happen and i i don't have a lot of answers right now and 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 that's very rare for me i just i just hope that i hope that GOP can finally take a self-reflection you know i think trump's going to announce in two weeks for the presidency i think that's going to happen um i brought up for the podcast i Personally, I don't believe DeSantis can can beat him in a primary, and nor can any Republican or any Democrat can beat a former president in a primary. It has never been done, and I don't believe it's going to happen again. So the, the conversation to me doesn't need to be around who is going to be the presidential nominee because I'm so sick of hearing that argument. We, we, we have much bigger problems than who the next presidential nominee is going to be. Um, mm. I think there's problems with running on Trumpism when Donald Trump's not on the ballot. I think that Republicans turn out. For Trump candidates, when Trump himself is on the ballot, I think that helps. I think that's part of the problem. Um, you know, knowing which years to run certain candidates matters, um, and I think that uh, that's a problem in of itself. You know, Trump's endorsements worked great in 2020, and it worked great. I mean, look, I mean, look look at the House numbers and look at how much we increased with women, with Hispanics, with minorities in 2020 in the House and the Senate. I mean, Trumpism works when he is on the ballot. Trumpism did not work this time when he was not on the ballot. Um, so knowing where those battles need to be won, knowing when they need to be fought is a, is, is a huge problem. And I'm I'm in a lost words in a lot of regards. I still have some optimism in terms of the progress we've made with minorities. Um, I think the area that, again, we need to concentrate on is 18 to 30 year olds in some form or fashion. I know it's never been done, but it seems like if they're finally starting to turn out, we never had to worry about them before, right? Like We never had to worry about the Democrats capitalizing on the 18 to 30 year olds because they've been... 10% of the electorate, but they were 30% last night. They were 25% last night. So at this point, in the same way that people have said, when we would never progress with this bank because of immigration, we have to capitalize in some way with 18 to 30 year olds. And hopefully that argumentation of uh, indoctrination, CRT, all that kind of stuff. We hopefully we can appeal to them, but it's, I, I'm going to need a few days. I'm going to need a few days, a few weeks to, to analyze completely what's happened. Um, but I think we've got a real problem with, in terms of knowing which battles we, we fought, we fought the wrong ones last night. And I hope we learn those lessons before 2024.
0: Two takeaways. Uh, and then one will turn into a question, which I'm curious to hear your your answer. So first is it speaks to <laughs> what we've been talking about here in the program for years now, and that is the importance of not playing defense. Instead of responding to narratives, setting narratives, right? And if we are constantly having to correct the misconceptions, the misnomers that are being taught in the government indoctrination camps that are the public schooling system, then what do we expect? We are trying to make make the kids unlearn things versus trying to help them learn things. So. That's number one. And also, we you know, politics is downstream from culture. So it's a fool's errand to, to go out and not play the the, the the cultural game. So number one. But then number two, I guess, and it kind of goes into what should the GOP do? Right. What What is the answer? And man, I know you don't necessarily think it's the right answer, Kenny, but one can't help but look down at Florida where the GOP. OK, you know, across the country, it was a GOP trickle. It was a GOP tsunami down in Florida, and a lot of that was due to Governor Ron DeSantis. And I'm going to tell you why I think that actually has a lot of merit when you go to the national level, and that is because Ron DeSantis was the most popular governor, particularly with the GOP, in the country when it came to the most important issue that we saw over the past two years, and that was the lockdowns. And Florida has become... Easily one of the most uh, you know looked to bastions for the Republicans or anti-lockdowners to at least you know have as a a recluse to say okay if, if things come come to it I have a place to go to now yours truly I was down visiting our friends at Revolution Twenty Twenty Two for Young Americans for Liberty back in August and just being you could being in Florida you could feel the atmosphere the environment it was different right like you could feel the freedom in the air um, and and I say that because you look at Florida they've gained hundreds of thousands of people. Um, You've seen other blue states lose hundreds of thousands of people. So I also think that that factors into the equation here of seeing blue governors win more than we thought they would, because, heck, I mean, New York has lost 500,000 people per year the past few years, and I'm going to almost guarantee a majority of those folks are likely going to be red-leaning voters. So that's going to definitely impact your voter rolls. But let's look at Ron DeSantis, right? He, he knows how to articulate, when you're, you're talking about Florida issues, what resonates with the voters. He, and he was able to turn that into also a lot of down ballot success. So I, I frame all of that, Kenny, to say, does it not at least raise the possibility that when you look at especially the, the just disdain for Trump on a human level that a lot of people outside of the GOP have for, for Trump, that Ron DeSantis, from that standpoint, could easily be a more appealing candidate for 2024. And with that, Trump maybe uh, ruffled a lot of feathers last night, especially when he was going out and attacking Ron DeSantis prior to the election and calling him, what do you call him, Ron De sanctimonious <laughs> or something? That was actually one of the worst names I've heard Trump try to, to level out there. Uh, make it fun, at least, Trump. But uh, that's my question, Kenny. Did he not at least... Show a path forward.
1: I think he made a case, um, and it's nothing to do with Ron DeSantis. Like, it's nothing to do, with, like, my takeaway from not thinking that DeSantis is going to be the president's nominee does not have anything to do with Ron DeSantis. It has everything to do with Donald Trump. Um, again, it's just just the, it's the logic of a former president who won every single primary he endorsed in. And, and, and I think that's being forgotten by a whole lot of people. Yes, did a lot of his candidates lose that he endorsed? And maybe if he would have stayed out of it, they would have won, maybe. But they won. They won their primaries. And he still has a hold on the party. If Trump kings you and says that you are the Republican nominee, they usually become the Republican nominee. And to me... Where the base is is not judged upon what independents do in Florida or what independents do in swing states. It's based upon the GOP voters going to the polls and saying who they want, and they wanted Trump candidates when it came to the mid to the midterms for their for their primary nominations. So if you look at the the record, you you look at who he endorsed and how much they won by. I mean, you had some cases like Oz, who was just a deeply unpopular candidate, not from the state that he was in, but you look at somebody like Mastriano who was a horrible candidate in terms of Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania governorship, and you had Lou Barletta who was running it as his opposition in the primary. He got killed. Uh, Barletta got killed because Trump endorsed him. So regardless what people think of if DeSantis would be a more viable option, would he win by more? Would he be a better candidate? I think those questions go out the window because he still, Trump still has a hold on the party. He just does. And those election results from the primaries in August and in May and in other times in other states and primaries with New Hampshire being later and things like that, Um he still won. Like he stayed but, his cat is still his slate. Let me still ask
0: won. you this. And I'm, I'm not meaning to interrupt. I, I, I yeah. have a follow up question directly to that. Do you think at least, though, that last night maybe it was a wake up call to a lot of the Trumpists out there? Because let, let's be real. Right. Like I see it just like you. There was an infatuation almost to cult level with Trump from the GOP, even leading up into this election. But that, I think, also goes with the idea that Trump was a winner, right? And Trump last won way back, uh, let's see, uh, six years ago. So, I mean, is, is the winning, is the winning losing now? Is he losing that appeal, Kenny?
1: I don't think so. Not, no, not, uh, uh, Still, still no. I mean, I, I hosted an election party last night. I hosted an election party last night in Cock County for our candidates, and by the way, they're great. Uh, they're hopefully, we keep my job as chairman since we since we trounced and everybody got over eighty percent here in Cock there County Republican wise, um, and our constitutional amendments passed as well. Um, but I, I, I no, I don't, I, I don't. Um, I, th- I think the. I think the appeal comes from winning, you're right. And DeSantis right now is the, is the star of the moment, right? He, and, and I think we're all prisoners of the moment in politics. Um, but again, I think DeSantis benefited from him being on the ballot. Now, DeSantis is a lot like Trump in that regard. If DeS- Ron DeSantis was not the governor of Florida, none of the candidates would have won in Florida. And I'm willing to bet to bet that. And I told you before the podcast started with Lee Zeldin in New York, did he win? Did Was he successful? He he was not successful in terms of taking the governorship back, but he ran on a message of anti-crime, anti-inflation, anti-lockdown, and candidates won across the board in New York. So I think when you look at these candidates that DeSantis supported and you look at these candidates that were supported in New York by Lee Zeldin, that campaign with Lee Zeldin. They won in the States because they were on the ballot and they're both strong candidates. I think that where Trump lost a lot last night was solely because he was not on the ballot. I I really, I really do because, and if you look at the comparisons from 2016 when we won the house, the Senate and the presidency, when you look at 2020, when Trump lost the presidency and we ended up losing the Senate majority, but if you look in the house and the leaps that were made in swing States with again, minorities, with Hispanics, with women, with young voters. I think when a party leader is on the same ballot and you have those endorsed candidates, I think that oftentimes that makes the leader look good. It made Zeldin look good. It made DeSantis look good. It made Trump look good in 2020. I actually wrote a piece back in back for Daily Wire in 2020 about why the GOP should be optimistic because Trump is candidates won nationwide in the house because of he endorsed them and he, they ran on Trumpism. And in the same way in 2016. So it really helps when a party leader is on the ballot, but it's just harmful when a Trump, when a day Trump or party leader endorsed candidate is running. And he's not on the ballot. He is he is relying on them to run his election and run on him when he is not there to run himself. And I think that's more of the problem than anything. I, th- I think that in terms of Trumpism, especially when he's not on the ballot kind of need to stay out of it, right? Establishment stay out of it. Trump needs to stay out of it, leave it up to the voters. Um, Unless it's something like where he is on the same ballot. And I think that's what benefited DeSantis and Zeldin in, in their states was because they ran all together. And right now the GOP is not together. And that's because the party leader who kinged people was not on the ballot. And I, 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 you know, this, I like Trump. I think his vision for the party is ideal. I'm, I'm a, Paleo Paleo libertarian populists, he appeals to me and his message and and vision for the party appeals to me, but he is not, it's not necessarily harmful, but it struggles when people are running on him and he is not on the ballot. I think that's the biggest harm and the biggest takeaway from last night is when Trump is not on the ballot or his candidates struggle.
0: So if that's the case. And, and I'm, I'm going to challenge a little bit here, Kenny. Mm-hmm. Trump can only be on the ballot. Really. I mean, well, that's not true. He could, he could be on the ballot as many more times as he wants if he continues to lose. But if he wins, let's say, right, in 2024, let's just mm-hmm. go to the hypothetical world. That's it, right? There's no more Trump on the ballot. So right. this, to me, is dangerously in line with the Obama approach to the Democratic Party. Now, they try to do a couple of things with this, right? From a, a Obama standpoint, they tried to have his coattails and it never really seemed to, to correlate that well with Obama's coattails. So what they tried to do instead was, was go to the coalition building, which we're seeing is starting to fall apart a little bit. But with Trump, the personality of Trump, I think much like Obama. And, and let's also be kind of you know honest here with 2020. Right. Trump didn't do too hot by the fact he lost and also we lost the, the Congress there as well. So the last taste that you have in the voter's mouth tends to be negative with Trump. So I put all that together to say, does it not yield a possible situation where the GOP is now going down the path that the Democratic Party has gone down, where you're putting too much stock behind one polarizing, very polarizing figurehead. And with that figurehead, once that figurehead is gone, losing that appeal.
1: There's Yeah, there's, there's plenty of concern. I mean, I'm concerned about it my, in myself. I mean, I, I, like I said, I'm a fan of Trump, and I'm a fan of Trumpism. I, I, I have been for a very long time, and I've been pretty obvious and open about that, even though I have my own criticisms. But I think that we have to look at the future. We do have to look at the future, absolutely. 2024 is less than two years out, to be quite honest. Basically, the path to 2024 starts today. Uh, it started last night. It started after 12.01 a.m., for twenty twenty six, and and gubernatorial races, and Senate races, and House races across the country, also started last night. Um, I think that with with Trumpism and with Trump himself, I think four is going to be where the future of the party is going to be decided. Um, whether whether that is DeSantis, whether it is Trump himself, I think either or situ- There's a few situations that can happen. We nominate Trump in twenty twenty four. He loses again, and then I don't know, Ryan. I, I really don't know um, what happens um, if we nominate Trump and he wins. I think that at that point he's term limited, right? He can't serve another term as president. Um, I think the heir apparent would be somebody like Ron DeSantis, Glenn Young, somebody like that. I think that is the heir apparent uh, transition there. And then there's the, uh, the, the possibility that um, DeSantis wins f- by some circumstance and he dominates 2024. Because I think if he got nominated, he would dominate because he's not as polarizing. Um, but I'm going to have to see which one of those three happen and where, where that's treating to before I really answer that the, the, the question. Um, I'm, I'm really, I'm nervous. I'm very nervous when it comes to 2024. I'm really not sure where it's going to go. I, I still think that um, there's a fatigue also with Joe Biden, right? Like there's mm-hmm. a huge fatigue with Joe Biden and with him being on the ballot, I feel like, him not being on the ballot really benefited Democrats this time while there, while the approvals and things like that were evident, and the, the poll matching up with, uh, with approval ratings in, uh, in swing States and him being really low and then Democrats still winning. I think that in the same way that Trump being on the ballot would benefit Republicans, I think Joe Biden being on the ballot would disadvantage Democrats. Um, and I, and I think I would have to see that match up before I'd be willing to say that DeSantis would be a better option or that is that Trump wouldn't win, uh, That can only be decided by 2024, so I really don't know. Um, But I think in evidence of the last two elections where we've seen Trump on the ballot and his endorsed candidates win when he is on the ballot, when they run on Trumpism and they run on the America First movement, um, I would have to see how Joe Biden... Would collaborate with progressives and would collaborate with moderate Democrats to make that same appeal. Um, I personally, I still, I'm still staying with 2024 prediction. If Trump got the nomination, I still feel like he would be Joe Biden because I think Joe Biden drags the Democrats down. Trump obviously uh, props people up when he's on the ballot. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what happens. Um, if DeSantis wins, I if DeSantis runs, I really don't think he wins against Trump against a former president. Um, I think if Trump runs, he wins. Uh, so the conversation has to be around the rest of, uh, over the rest of the strategy across the country, in the House, in the Senate, and state legislative level. Um, we have to learn how to win in those regards because, regardless of what happens in the presidency, we have a problem.
0: Kenny, I don't think it's a secret when I say that right now we're talking more about this than we are about libertarian successes or anything like that so i think that leads to a question a lot of libertarians are having right now is and we've had this conversation many a time on the show but like okay what is the path forward for liberty now i personally think it's going to have to be a very strategic use of the libertarian party putting ourselves where we will have a chance and, and be able to truly find a niche that we can identify with in our particular race, but also to differentiate against the competition and not just to simply be there as a foil and a third option. That's it's counterproductive in many cases. Um, but also look at the GOP. Does the GOP give us a path forward for Liberty is, is the GOP going to be a party that embraces Liberty oriented folks or is it going to be one of those situations where I'm going to have to keep this card forever and ever and ever as a libertarian party, being the only party that really will give us a, a real shot at having that voice at the table?
1: Uh, I say, come join the GOP and help me to <laughs> uh, help me help people like me, help people like me, uh, and and others, and you know, DeSantis in Florida, uh, Zeldin in New York, Rand Paul, Thomas Massey. help us change it. Um, you know, in, in Tennessee, for example, last night. One of the first constitutional amendments that we put on the ballot last night, and I'm so proud that it passed, resounding one, was to decrease the amount of executive order power that the governor has over municipalities, over local governments, to decide mandates, to, to adhere to state government legislation, to adhere to state government regulation. That's one of the things that we capitalized a vote on last night, resoundingly 8 to 20 across the state. It wasn't just about Democrat districts voting yes or no. It wasn't about Republican districts voting yes or no. Statewide, it was A 20. Um, So concentrating on wins like that, I think the GOP has really embraced a idea of anti-government, of liberty, um, of being pro-liberty candidates, being pro-liberty in terms of uh, resisting against big government, resisting against spending, resisting against uh, just the establishment politicians that uh, both duopoly has promoted for such a long time. Um, My appeal to the LP and my appeal to libertarian-leaning Republicans or even libertarian-leaning independents would be, again, help me change it. You know, I mean, I think in Tennessee last night, I don't think you would have ever uh, thought in a regard that the uh, GOP would vote uh, resoundingly to, uh, le- legislative would vote resoundingly to put an amendment on the table that would decrease state government power, but they did. Um, Republicans won across, the country, across our state last night. Uh, we, we, we won more this year than in 2020 or 2018 in terms of Republican versus Democrats. We didn't elect any single Democrat, hardly in East Tennessee when it came to State House or State Senate or gubernatorial elections. So when I think about what the path for liberty is forward, I really think my appeal stays the same. Come join me in the GOP. If you, there is an election where a Republican is just terrible and has no chance, run a Libertarian against a Democrat. Hopefully they win. I was, again, the example from the other day with Jeremy Todd, I would have supported, I did support Gary Johnson uh, for New Mexico Senate when the Libertarian can win. Um, but I don't want Libertarian Party people running against Libertarian Republicans or those who are going to contribute to liberty. Don't know the battles that you could fight. It's just like Dave Smith and Blake Masters and Ron DeSantis in Florida. Don't run against liberty if you are a Libertarian. Don't run against it. And I think the best pile of pass forward still is to join in the GOP, join us in helping change our party. And hopefully in the same way that I'm sitting here reflecting and kind of licking my wounds and putting salt in them at the same time, Come help me fight and come help me change our future.
0: All right, Kenny. Well, I think at this point it's uh, time for us to get ready to give our final thoughts and I'll start things off. My final thought is messaging matters. Uh, We've talked about this on the show for a while now. Uh, When you have the opportunity to speak to your voters, you have to be tuning into their radio station. W-I-I-F-M. What is in it for me And with that, meet them where they're at on the issues that they care about when you look at why your average person goes to the voting booth. They do so because they are motivated to do so with likely one or two top of mind issues. So it's on us. It is indicative on us, whether you're running as a GOP, a big L libertarian, whatever it may be, to meet them on those issues and to make sure we're speaking to those issues with our solutions and not coming across as crazy, unelectable candidates. If we're going off, and and I'm sorry to some folks who take the the 2020 election and the voter election fraud to be the biggest bugaboos out there, Trump won, all that, that rhetoric, that doesn't matter to your average person. Your average person is more concerned about how they are able to go and put more food in the grocery cart when they're paying they're, – they're going to the grocery store every single week and paying the, the bill. And that was resoundingly reflected on voter uh, outcomes from when they were leaving the, the voting booth for the exit polls. Inflation, the economy, they were consistently the top of the list as the number one thing that people were concerned about. So if you were focusing your time, energy, and effort, trying to like worship what Trump was and and trying to get his approval, yeah, of course you're gonna get the, the lack of success because your voters don't care about that. What your voters care about is knowing that they are able to trust you with their vote to help them fix the problems they see before them. And it's been a terrible job on both parties for articulating an effective, true vision for that going forward. So I, I demand, I implore, please, GOP. Do better. And if you don't know how to do better, leverage folks like me, leverage folks like Morgan Bonwell from Right Strategies, who's been a sponsor here in the show for the past month. Leverage folks like Magdalene Rose, who was just on a couple of days ago talking about messaging and marketing. And she's doing strategic stuff with coaches or with the candidates as well. From a coaching standpoint, there are folks out there who can help you. Don't think you have to do this alone. And if you are looking for help, please reach out. We are here to help. Uh, and I will connect you with folks as well. Kenny,
1: that's my final thoughts. What do you got for us? One thing that I I took away from last night, is again, is is my articles is about uh, the electability argument, right? Mm. Um, One thing, one quote that I saw on Twitter, I'm not going to attribute it to me, but it's my my favorite. My favorite quote from the entire election. Caligula sent a Trojan to mock the Romans, and the Democrats sent John Fetterman. And that still rings true. So in terms of candidate quality mattering, I agree. We've got to have quality candidates. We have to have appealable candidates. But in the same way, when there's a Republican on the ballot who is advocating for small government, who is advocating for decreasing the, our involvement overseas and in, in, in war, when we are looking at going against mandates and fighting crime, finding a high inflation, finding you're not getting murdered going down the street in New York, right? Common sense issues. Go and vote for those people. Don't sit in your mind going, Well, they've not got an answer. Well, you know, I'm not just going to vote for the less, you know, all that kind of less two evils, all that kind of stuff. I understand that it's an argument. But when you have an obvious evil, when you have an obvious candidate who wants to do nothing but take away your individualism and take away your liberty, don't be a contrarian. And don't be somebody who is just going to be cool and say, well, I didn't vote for either candidate because I didn't. That doesn't matter. Vote against tyranny for once. Vote against tyranny. Democrats do it. By God, they, 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 they ponied up and voted for somebody who cannot speak on a debate stage. But Republicans and independents had to question if Dr. Oz was from New Jersey. I wish we were more like Democrats. I swear I do. I wish we were more like Democrats because they voted for a Trojan horse. And we couldn't pony up and vote for a celebrity who has been on TV for 20 years. I'm so sick of the argument that we have to vote on candidate quality. Well, I'm sorry to go ahead and tell Republicans, but we nominate who we nominate. And we need to be just more like Democrats and pony up and vote for our agenda and vote for our issues and vote for what we're campaigning on. Because if we don't, things like this happen. And that's my message to the GOP. Pony up and vote.
0: Kenny Cody from Cody's Concerns. You can find him over at, this was over on Newsmax, this article. We'll include that in the show notes. If you want to go ahead and read on. Otherwise, call to action, folks. Please do me a favor. Go ahead and support the show. And uh, I'm going to give you a way that you can do so while also getting something in return. And also, it's a great chance to go ahead and get something for others because, as you can see, I'm all decked out for the holidays here at the Brian Nichols Show because, yes, Christmas is, in fact, right around the corner. The holiday season is upon us. So, with that being said, head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop where you can join the amazing Brian Nickel Show store and find so many cool new items. I've been working behind the scenes. We have our Magic Money Tree shirt, our No Farmers, No Food shirt, uh, Klaus Schwab. Now, that's what I call tyranny shirt. We have our What Happened in 1971 and more. They make phenomenal gifts. Plus, we have more than just shirts, hoodies, backpacks. Uh, snapbacks, uh, stickers, all all that and more. So please head to Show.com forward slash shop. Use code TBNS at checkout. Uh, Also, if you want to go ahead and support the program directly, we can do so over at Show.com forward slash support. Either do a one-time donation or become a, a recurring donor over on our Patreon, $5 a month. And also you get some cool stuff behind the scenes as well. Kenny, where can folks go ahead and follow you? They want to continue the conversation and, of course, learn more.
1: On Twitter, you can follow me right down here, the little name, at KD Cody Tennessee. Um, go follow me on Instagram, same way, Kenny Cody, same name on Facebook. Go and find my blogs at NewsMax.com and TownHall.com. And uh, be looking for pieces. Be look, Go follow Republicans for National Renewal, who is working to take back the Republican Party, that I am an organization that I am a part of. And uh, go and support your local GOP candidate. And if it's an LP candidate running against a Democrat, vote for them, too.
0: You said down there, folks who are listening to the show in the podcast version, like down where? If you're joining us over on the video version, that's where you'll see he was pointing to. So by the way, audio listener, head over to BrianNicholsShow.com where you can find the YouTube version of the program. Also, you'll find links to our Rumble page as well as our odyssey page just do me a favor when you go there hit that subscribe button and of course that little notification bell so you're not missing a single time we go live so yeah folks thank you for joining us here i was live from the stratus ip studios uh if you got value from today's show do me a favor go ahead and give a share when you do give yours truly a tag at Beanagos liberty and make sure you uh give kenny cody a tag as well at kd cody tn all right that's all we have for you that being said Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Kenny Cody. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com
0: forget to tell your friends to subscribe to follow me on social media at b liberty and again if you'd be so kind please consider making a donation to the brian nichols show at briannickelshowcom forward slash support the brian nichols show is supported by viewers like you thank you to our patrons daryl schmitz michael lima mitchell Mankowitz, cody johns craig da and the we are libertarians network